Good to see various old friends and the Valley Stream Sangha once again. I thought today we could look at uh, the topic of Zen and uh, so-called teachers of Zen through the uh, lens of an old Zen story from Tang Dynasty, China called Wombo's Drag Slurpers. This is case number 53 in the Book of Serenity and case number 11 in the Blue Cliff Record. First, I'll read the story and then uh, we can go through the pieces. Huang Bo, the old Zen teacher, Huang Bo said to the assembly, you people are all dreg slurpers. If you go on like this, how will you ever have today? Don't you know that in all of China, there are no teachers of Zen? And at that time, a monk in the assembly came forward and said, uh, well, what about those who guide students and lead groups in various places? And Huangbo said, I don't say that there's no Zen, just that there are no teachers. That's the story about the ancient ancestor Huangbo. In Japanese, his name is Obaku. In the ninth century in China. And uh, apparently, Huangbo is like a big guy, like seven feet tall. And he had this big protruding forehead uh, that that his students called like the jewel in his forehead. But it was really like just uh, a callus on his forehead from doing so many prostrations on the hard floor. And uh, Wang Bo was a disciple of another great teacher by John and Huangbo was the teacher of another great teacher, Linji in Japanese, Rinzai. Huangbo is um, especially known for teaching that all, all Buddhas and all sentient beings are only this one mind outside of which nothing exists. One time Juan Bo said, mind itself is Buddha. That was a popular teaching um, from his teacher and his teacher's teacher and so on at this time in China. with Juan Bo uh, slurping some dregs of those old teachers when he repeated their words. Mind itself is Buddha. People who study the way today do not understand the nature of mind, so they add another mind on top of this mind seeking Buddhahood externally. 
cultivating practice attached to appearances. That's one of Formbo's teachings. Kind of like that's the only thing that he ever really taught. But he did so with lots of different words. So today we have this story about uh, slurping dregs. And uh, there's a kind of little prelude to the story uh, that is not in this case number 53, um, kind of the extended version of the story. This begins with um, an assembly like this, a bunch of practitioners, Zen practitioners, sitting in the, the Buddha hall or the Zendo, which they did in ninth century China, just like they do today. And Huangbo, the so-called teacher, uh, came into the room and sat down and looked at the people and, uh, and said, what are all you people doing here? What are you looking for? And then um, they just sat there and said, are you trying to seek something here from, from this Dharma talk? Um, if so, then um, just get out. And he took his staff, which Hanbo liked picking up his big wooden staff and swinging it around to kind of like um, kind of scatter people. So he tried swinging his staff around to get everybody to leave the Dharma talk, but they wouldn't leave. So then he went on to say, um, you people are all dreg slurpers. Slurping, gobbling dregs, like the drinking the dregs of the old ancestors' words is what he meant. Uh, like, the, like the sediment at the bottom of a of a wine barrel after all the wine is poured out, that these uh, sediment kind of dregs in the bottom. Um, that usually, you know, people don't really drink. They kind of throw them away. But Bonbo is here saying that um, this, this pure wine of Buddha nature, this exquisite, um, inconceivable wine, uh, it's all gone. But all that's left now is the dregs, which is like these words of the Zen ancestors at the bottom of the barrel. And you people are trying to like slurp up these the dregs of the um, of the old ancestors' words because you like um, Zen is getting popular now in China. There's all these sayings like mind itself is Buddha that are kicking around. And I know you people like to collect those sayings and trade them with your friends and so on. And actually you're coming here now to my Dharma talk to collect some more dregs. That was the kind of spirit I think that Juan Bo was invoking. And he said, um, you people are all dreg slurpers. If you go on like this, how will you have today? How will you have right now? How you have this, not yesterday's words, not last century's words, but uh, but the pure wine of today. And I would say that this line is the heart of this story. How will you have today? How will we all have today? This is the essence of Zen. How will we have today, right now, here, completely, 
without without it being diluted with uh, with a lot of concepts and um, and additional minds on top of our mind that Wamba uh, is calling dregs. So Wamba says, you people are dreg slurpers. If you go on like this, how will you have today? Don't you know that in all of China, there are no teachers of Zen? Meaning that um, the words of the Zen teachers that you're collecting and memorizing and and um, maybe coming to the hall here today to collect more of these so-called teachers um, don't really teach Zen. I think it's what he's saying. There are no teachers of Zen. In all of China, there are no teachers of Zen. So I assume he would include himself in this category. He's not a teacher of Zen because there are no teachers of Zen. Zen is like this pure wine that um, is everywhere and is it's our true nature. It's um, complete and um, inconceivable and ineffable. And anything uh, we say about it is kind of like adding dregs. Everything is in the mountains, rivers, the great earth, the sun, the moon, the stars are Zen. But how can you teach mountains, rivers, earth, sun, moon, and stars? Of course, we can say things about it, like right now. We can have Zen Dharma talks. Uh, and they have to be given by somebody. But the person who's speaking about these matters is not really teaching Zen. I think that's what the story is saying. They're making some comments um, about Zen-like ideas, but they can't really teach Zen. They can offer methods. You might say, well, aren't the methods Zen? I think what's being said here is, no, the methods aren't Zen. Even the methods are kind of like dregs at the bottom of the barrel. Zen is beyond methods. What about all the, um, the clarification of the understanding of our true nature? Well, it may be helpful. It's kind of a method too. The clarifications are not really Zen. Like fingers pointing at the moon. Like dregs in the bottom of the wine barrel. Nobody can teach us how to have today. They might be able to uh, offer us some some helpful hints like stop running around doing more stuff and just be present. But that's not really having today. That's just uh, another me- simple method. What are all these methods pointing to? And uh, then there's people that that um, seem to be called like Zen teachers. I don't think Juanbo is denying that. He's just saying they're not really 
Zen teachers. They're not really teaching Zen because Zen can't be taught. But um, but there may be people who can um, remind us um, to have today. People who are just living their lives with other people and um, people around them can maybe receive some flavor of how they're living. And sometimes they can say things and those words um, could be helpful. As long as we don't think that the words are Zen. As are some of our old Zen poems say things like the meaning is not in the words and yet it responds to the inquiring impulse. And although it today is unfabricated, it's not without speech. Words can hint at it and it can give rise to words. It's just the true meaning is not in the words. So, uh, don't you know in all of China there are no teachers of Zen? And then the monk came forward and said, what about those who guide students and lead assemblies and all over the place? I just very... Ordinary um, question. What about those people? I thought they were Zen teachers. And Wambo said, uh, I don't say that there's no Zen, just that there are no teachers. Ultimately, there, there's nothing in addition to Zen. Because Zen includes everything without being anything. All Buddhas and all sentient beings are only this one mind outside of which nothing exists. Wangbo said, there's no teachers outside of this one mind we call Zen. In the um, commentary to this story in the Book of Serenity, um, the commentator Wan Song um, brings up a, I think, quite wonderful story. Um, an old Taoist story from Chuangzi. Uh, and the story to kind of illustrate this case, and this story might even be the origin of the um, classic Zen term, drag slurper. And the, 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 the story from Chuangzi goes like this. Lord Ji Hong was reading a book, as those ancient Taoists often did. And uh, downstairs in the shop, there was a wheelwright named Pian. Now, these days, uh, maybe people don't even really know what a wheelwright is there's very few wheelwrights left, I think, in, in this country anyway. But uh, as I understand it, a wheelwright is somebody who makes wheels. 
wooden wheels, cart wheels, whatever kind they had in Tang Dynasty, China, or actually Chuangzi was way back there before the Tang Dynasty. They had wheels and people had to make them. And uh, so a wheelwright was making a wheel and um, he decided to take a break. So he put down his um, mallet and chisel and he walked upstairs to um, the master, Lord Ji Hung, and said, um, may I ask what you're reading, sir? And the Lord said, um, it's a book of the sages. And uh, the wheelwright said, are those sages alive? And the Lord said, actually, they're already dead. And the wheelwright said, then, sir, you're reading the dregs of the ancients. You're reading the dregs of the ancients. And uh, at that time in old China, for a wheelwright to talk that way to um, this lord, this monarch, um, was uh, kind of risky kind of gutsy and kind of risky because there's a lot of rules of propriety. So um, the Lord said, um, when a monarch reads a book, how can a wheelwright discuss it? Um, If you can explain yourself with a statement, it's okay. Um, And if you can't, you're going to die. Sometimes it was like that in the old days. But this wheelwright um, uh, wasn't flustered. And he said, um, well, I see it in the light of my own work as a wheelwright. When I plane a wheel, if I go too slowly and gently with the plane, the action's not firm. Maybe like with the... doesn't really do anything. I'm too gentle with the plane. But if I go too quickly and roughly, um, it's hard and the, the plane doesn't go in. It's stuck. You can imagine how a wheelwright works this way. And, uh, but not going too slowly or too quickly, I find it in my hands and accord with it in my mind but my mouth can't express it in words. There's an art to it, making wheels. There's a knack to it. There's a knack to Zen practice. What is the knack to Zen practice, how can we explain that knack? Well, we just have to do it for a long time. And just like this wheelwright. There's a knack to it, but I can't teach it to my son. And my son can't learn it from me. The ancients and that which they couldn't transmit have died. Therefore, sir, you're reading the dregs of the ancients. And apparently the, uh, this monarch was satisfied and the wheelwright got to live. A beautiful Taoist story to uh, illustrate the story of Huang Bo calling his assembly a bunch of drag slippers. But we might wonder, what about all these like Zen texts and these Zen classes and these Zen Dharma talks and these Zen teachers? If, if, uh, if nothing can be taught, it's just an inexplicable knack and what's with all that stuff? So, including Juan Bo had all these teachings that got recorded, some of the best, 
Zen teachings from China, I think, are four of those. So it's not so black and white, really, right? And then in our tradition, we have Dogen Zenji. So um, he often spoke about um, this issue of um, teaching Zen and studying Zen. He also wrote a whole bunch of stuff and spoke a whole bunch of stuff from people. But uh, early in his teaching days, Dogen um, said some things like, learning the way of the ancient teachers by reading the recorded sayings in order to teach them to others is ultimately not useful for my own practice or for teaching others. Even if I don't know a single letter of Dharma, I will be able to demonstrate it to others in infinite ways if I devote my life to just sitting and resolving the great matter. So he was kind of discouraging himself and others from even reading the records of the Zen ancestors. This is in his early days. I think he maybe when he was first setting up his monastery, he felt like, let's start with just everybody sitting, like, how about all day for a few years? Just to like, just to warm the place up warm up the Zafus. And then later in his life, Dogen started promoting the study of the records of the Zen ancestors. Uh, like for example, in Dogen's later life, in, in an essay called um, Self-Verification Samadhi, which is kind of um, implying that uh, there's this samadhi, this awareness, this way of being that must be verified by each of us ourselves. It must be a self-verification of reality. And the samadhi of self-verification is being Buddha. And uh, in this essay, Dogen says, um, following a teacher and following a sutra are both following the self. So this self-verification samadhi he's pointing out is not just that we should go off um, in a closet by ourselves and don't interact with any teachers or any um, sutras. Here he's saying uh, he's kind of fleshing out what is this self-verification samadhi. Following a teacher and following a sutra are both following the self that verifies itself. A sutra is no other than a sutra as the self. So on the one hand, we could say Sutras are the dregs of the Buddha left over. We can't meet Buddha and, and drink the pure wine of Buddha. Chakyamuni Buddha is no longer with us, but he left these dregs for us. But here Dogen is saying, um, a sutra is no other than a sutra as the self. Here, I would understand self to be um, another word for Zen, the all-inclusive Zen of mountains, rivers, great earth, sun, moon, and stars. This self, this inconceivable, ineffable, true self. And a sutra is no other than a sutra as the self. A teacher, a Zen teacher, is no other than a teacher as the self. Thus, to meet with teachers all over the place is to meet with the self all over the place.
So could it be that um, I don't say there's no Zen, it's just that there's no teachers. Because actually, when we look more deeply, what are these, what are these things that we call Zen teachers? These things with two arms and two legs that, um, that walk around and spout strange words. What are those things ultimately? Could it be that they are Zen? They are ourself. There's no Zen teachers in addition to Zen. There's no sutras in addition to ourself. And studying a sutra in this way and meeting with a teacher in this way as ourself is not slurping the dregs of the ancients. Reading the records of the ancestors' words in this way reading them as ourself is not slurping the dregs of the ancestors. It's the self-verification samadhi. Maybe there are different ways to, um, to uh, relate to the teachings of the Dharma. Buddhas and ancestors' words. If we're seeking something outside ourselves in the words, collecting um, phrases and leaving it at that, I think Hornbo would call that drag slurping. Whereas if we're celebrating Zen by imbibing the pure wine of thusness, in the form of the records of the ancient ancestors, then uh, there's no dregs to be found or choked on. Tenke Densor, the uh, 18th century Soto. Zen ancestor commenting on the story of Huangbo said, uh, they say that those who consume the old writings are drag slurpers. But uh, the Chinese Zen teacher Da Wei said that if all writings are dregs, then the cypress tree in the garden and three pounds of flax would also be dregs. These these, um, pithy, flavorless, unchewable sayings like the cypress tree in the garden. And what's Buddha? Mm, Three pounds of flax. These kinds of sayings are celebrated by the Zen ancestors is like the essence of Zen itself. Not some dregs, but these are like Zen phrases for Zen, for our true nature. So, uh, so Dao Wei, who like these kind of Unknowable, unchewable, um, flavorless sayings, like sitting with them for eons until the sayings um, crack open and reveal the essence of Zen. So, so in this case, Tenke is quote saying that Dawei said that uh, if all these writings are dregs, the nose essentialized sayings, like three pounds of flax. Those are also dregs. And we don't treat them like dregs. We treat them as like the essence of Zen. So, Tanke said, everyone has a true nature 
that has no teacher. This is where you express yourself authentically. This is Zen. Today I was uh, walking uh, with my wife Shoho uh, on our daily walk around the mountain block. And uh, and I was bringing up this story of Juan Bo's drag slurpers with her um, to see if she had any anything to offer me for tonight's talk, uh, particularly uh, inquiring with her. What is this business of these so-called Zen teachers then? If they can't really teach Zen, um, What's the point of these Zen teachers? And she said something like, um, uh, well, if people want to uh, like shift their perspective into like a uh, broader view, in other words, have today, have some fresh today, then um, they might just hang around some people who are also into that and see what happens. And I was wondering about those words. And then as we were walking, we came to this, the beginning of this trail that uh, neither one of us had noticed before. And a little trail on the side of the road, I thought maybe a deer trail. And she said, I think this leads to our uh, retreat cabin. Let's check it out. I was like, no, it looks like a bunch of cacti. I'm in Crestone, Colorado, where you got to watch for cacti on the desert floor and all kinds of other dangers in the mountain forest. And uh, so I, I don't know about that. She said, no, let's go. And she started started bounding down this path and I hesitated, but then well, I guess so. She hasn't, hasn't ended yet. I guess it's wide enough to walk on. So I started following her and, and, um, and uh, pretty soon we, we had, like ended right at our cabin. It was like a miracle. I was like, I was like wonderfully disoriented. How could that be? It was like this shortcut. We've walked by here like hundreds of times. We never saw this. I have this, I have this new perspective and I didn't even try to get it. I was just, um, I was just following an enthusiastic person along a path and suddenly had a fresh perspective. And that's what you said to me is like, what if, what if then teachers are like that? They're not telling us anything really. They're just, enthusiastically exploring new paths. And if we're open and curious, we might follow along and have a new perspective. It's not even really that they're Zen teachers, right? They're just doing their thing. And um, we get curious about what they're doing. So I thought that was a, a wonderful example. She she showed me unexpectedly as it should be. So uh, we could have some discussion about this story, but I'll just leave you with one last Huangbo um, saying. On another day, Huangbo in a Dharma talk, I suppose, made a fist and said, all the teachers under heaven are right here. All the Zen teachers under heaven are right here.
if I let out a string of words about it, it will just confuse you. What if I don't say a single phrase, you'll never let go of it. A monk asked, what happens if you let out a string of words? Wangwa said, confusion. And the monk said, if you don't say a single phrase and it can't be let go of, then what? And Huangbo said, everywhere. That's today's reflections on, on Zen, on studying the words of the ancients, on practicing with so-called Zen teachers of which there really aren't any. And Zen itself. Do you have any uh, anything you'd like to bring up about this issue? Thank you so much, Reverend Kokyo. Uh, this is Sarah O'Gara. Uh, Hi. How are you? I, as you were speaking, I was thinking about, um, uh, it was a psychology experiment that I read once, where basically um, it was with a group of children, and uh, they were shown two sets of faces. One was a smiling face, and the other was a really angry face. Uh, but the the actions of the body, the angry face actually re reached out and held them and gave them candy. And the smiling face uh, ignored them. And, and it was what my mother used to say, do what I, you do what I do, not what I say. And I think that's a, a comment that, that was the first thing that came to me when you were speaking. It's you watch what the person is doing and ignore what they're saying because you, what they're doing is what you're going to actually read in your body, not their words. But that was that story was a beautiful reiteration of it from across the dregs of the ancient world. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, I think it also applies to uh, to the story of Juan Bo, which was this kind of character that... Um, like to swing his staff around and kind of like, it sounds like insulting the assembly like this. You people are all drag slurpers. It's a little bit of an angry face, uh, or an angry expression some of these Zen teachers had, like Huang Bo and, and his disciple Linji, could be kind of like a little bit rough, but... Um, but really what they were doing is reaching out to hold the dear students. I think quite similar to, to your story. Um, what are they really doing here with this kind of brusque, rough expression? Are they just grumpy characters and kind of a little bit mean? I don't think so. Tokyo, it's Larry. Hi, Larry. So uh, we have a Thursday morning study group. We're studying uh, Uji right now. And uh, what a great barrel of dregs. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, <laughs> And we have some people in the study group that like to talk. Uh, I, I think I'm in, in that category. And we have some people that that really don't have much to say. And um, you know, I I, I I need help to understand Uji. So 
We have Shinshu Roberts' commentary, but I, I, I need even more than that. And I was listening to Norman Fisher's uh, audio talks, and he and he said something that that reminded me of, you know, these people who are not saying anything. And it was, it, it, you know, it's not so important to intellectually grasp what is uh, what Uji is. Uh, it's more important to, you know incorporated in your in in your life so i i you, you know having said that it it, it it gave me a certain respect in a sense for the people not saying anything because um you know like in your story they're not just grabbing the words for the sake of the words so um so your your story reminded me of exactly what was going on in our in our discussion group. So thank you. Thank you for that. Yes, uh, uh, of course. There's the intellect can can get quite involved in um, all kinds of teachings, including Zen teachings. But there is something unique, I think, in in the Buddhist world. There's something kind of unique about the Zen tradition that, um, you know, thinking particularly Dogen Zenji, who wrote it's Uji that you speak of, um, who really seems to be um, making a great effort to prevent us from grasping what he's saying intellectually. Still a little bit, you know, he is saying something particular. It's not just rambling. Um, and yet uh, he has this particular knack of uh, expressing Zen in a way that um, we feel like we're, we can't quite um, get a grip. And I think that's, that's part of his intention. We can't quite get a grip, and yet we keep hearing it and... Um, and and the flavor and aroma of this pure wine is just we we uh, waft through our nose. Uh, it can't be helped. But then if somebody said, "Well, just summarize um, the gist of Uji in three sentences," and if we try to do it. Even if it's somewhat accurate intellectually, um, we probably come away feeling like, you know, that's, you know, Dogen could have said it like that, but he didn't. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, there's a time for, there's a time for being quiet and just absorbing. And there's a time for uh, expressing. I think part of the learning process in Zen from the beginning has always been um, not just passively listening, but uh, interactive, interacting with words. Uh, it's part of the part of the knack of um, of learning Zen. We don't really get taught; we just get opportunities. Our words are are being offered, and to express more words like right now. Maybe Son Jim would like to express some words knowing that the meaning is not in the words. Well, I, I was just uh, thinking that, uh, well, I was uh, also thinking of our Uji studies and I uh, the phrase, where will you have today, <laughs> seemed, seemed, uh, seemed coincident with them. But I, but I also thought that... Um, yes, we could say that uh, Dogen's whole Uji essay is a commentary on where will you have today. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, uh, but also as a, as a, an oratorical device, uh, if you will, Wangbo's uh, uh, opening statement um, was, you know, essentially um, insulting his audience. Uh, 
um, is, uh, is a good way of, of getting their attention and, and actually thrusting a person into, well, anyway, it, you know, could thrust people into kind of reactive mind, which wouldn't necessarily be helpful. Um, but it also um, might uh, wake them up uh, in a certain way. And these are just kind of random thoughts that I'm having, but the, it seems to me in Uji somewhere, it says, it says um, there are words that liberate words or something like that. Uh, I think we haven't got to that part in our studies, but uh, in, in, in the text, but because we're, we're going very slowly through it, but um, I, anyway, I, I really, yeah, I, I felt um, moved by your talk and, um, you know, encouraged uh, to uh, to find words that liberate, you know, one from from words. That that's that's the that's the knack of giving a talk. I think it's yeah. it's, it's a it's it's a, it's a hard uh, spot to to find, but. Um, Thank you for <laughs> thank you for your knack. You're welcome. And uh, if, if there's a time for um, really grappling with the words, memorizing the words, really uh, working the words, and um, and a time for um, for remembering that uh, the meaning is not in the words. And I think this, this story, it's all packaged in words of, of Wongo's, drag surfers, is, uh, is kind of both because it's using words that got recorded and commented upon and versified by various Zen ancestors. Um, but the whole point of the story is that... Um, that uh, there are no teachers of Zen and there are no words about Zen. It's not that there's no Zen. Uh, Linda. Let's see. Hi, um, okay. Um, wonderful, wonderful evening. Um, what I, what I was thinking, what I've been thinking about a lot lately, relates to this quite a bit. Um, I have been with Valley Streams since the beginning, except for the year and a half at Green Gulch. And I was always one of the people that would talk a lot and ha have questions and have something to say after Dharma talks and whatever. And um, about, I'd say maybe 10 years ago, I decided that I really needed to learn how to listen. And I've been working on it. And um, I find I have less and less to say. And I feel like, this is too long a story to tell tonight, tonight, but I've been really examining, you know, what's been happening and, and how it's affected my life and my practice. Um, but I did want to, um, so I won't bore you with that, but I recently had um, um, a chance to thank my teacher via a card um, for everything. <laughs> um, and when I wrote it and said, you know, basically, thank you so much for your teachings, the line that came out next was, but more importantly, your example. And not a, not a word he has said has affected me more than his example. So, um, 
anyway, listening and not talking has benefited me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's uh, because the meaning is out in the words. Um, we just practice together and, um, and then something is um, mysteriously transmitted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very mysterious. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for your example. You're welcome. Good to see you after many years. Yeah. I still want to call you Luminous Owl. <laughs> you may. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Let's see, there was, um, I saw Angela, but maybe she disappeared. But there's Kareen. So let me first ask you if you can hear me. Yes. Okay. Well, some things came together when you were talking about um, waving the stick around uh, in front of what what is the um, the subject's name I forget what is his name Wombo. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, with his waving of the stick and that image with my Qigong class this morning and uh, Shoho's um, insight that the path led to the cabin. It, it seems like there's this, as Thich Nhat Hanh might call it, uh, interbeing of the phenomena around us and of nature that we access in Qigong, but also when we're open, the truth of all things in our connection comes through. Um, And so that's the inter- interpenetration without words that is uh, suddenly opened up. Is that how you will have today? Yes. This moment, in fact. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Torley had her hand raised. Thank you. Um, well, I really appreciated your talk and and the the way that you turned everything around. So the dregs are not dregs, <laughs> as long as we're bringing our whole self to the engagement and. I was just remembering this experience I had in Dokusan with Brev Anderson during a session, and I can't even remember what we were talking about. I was sitting on a cushion, on the cushion, and all of a sudden, unbeknownst to myself, really, I leaped up and I just exclaimed, I'm completely lost. And it was like this incredible experience. Um, uh, liberating but what struck me was that my whole body leaped out to to into the lost (laughs) and at such at such a time were you found well (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about the eye that was there was some eye leaped out i don't know um but i was met um, Rev. Anderson said, and that's okay. So <laughs> I was uh, alone in my lostness. <laughs> yeah, le- leaping completely into lostness 
maybe it's exactly where we, we found, were found or where we have today. If there's no, nothing in addition to the complete lostness, which yes. is like, um, why, uh, there's nothing in addition to Zen. Yeah. So you could say when we bring our whole self to it, um, yeah. then the dregs are no longer dregs. We could also say when we don't um, add anything um, extra in addition to our complete all-inclusive self, that's also the absence of dregs. Mm-hmm. Or maybe more, more accurately, then the dregs are included uh, as the pure essence of the Zen wine. Thank you. It's complete, yes. <laughs> well, well, thank you for, for being here tonight. Um, I what I what I noticed uh, for myself is that somebody were to say what did Kokyo Henkel speak about last night I would uh, I probably would not be able to explain exactly maybe the gist but what I what I felt tonight it was kind of a testimony to what you've been talking about is that I felt in a in a more deeply meditative state while you were speaking than I did when I was actually meditating earlier so so I just wanted to thank you for that yeah the uh, um, the samadhi of words in which the meaning does not lie but which um, responds to the inquiring impulse Brett hi Kokyo nice to see you Um, I keep getting a making a connection between the the teaching of this case with um, um, one of the one of the big messages that uh, Trumpa Rinpoche seemed to be imparted on on the West with uh, his his teaching of spiritual materialism. Um, I think it seems like. He was cautioning um, us from from uh, sipping dregs uh, as we as we explored the Dharma here in the West. Yeah, that's a beautiful connection. I think that's right. That um, <laughs> Juan Po could have could have said, uh, "What are you people doing here? The, all you people are just spiritual materialists." <laughs> Yeah. yeah, which is just, you know, can take so many forms. It's just, I, I think what Trump Rinpoche meant was um, any way that we make this ungraspable, inconceivable, wondrous suchness into anything, really, um, is would be spiritual materialism. Anything that's, you know, to use for ourselves or to prop ourselves up or to uh, um, to accumulate or um, become more intelligent or more noble or anything. Yeah. The array of, of um, possible spiritually materialistic practices is endless. <laughs> and um, I think probably Trump would agree it's not some particular practice that's spiritual materialism, but it's it's the, more like the attitude around it or the, the um, seeking something extra outside of our perfectly complete thusness. Nice connection here. Thank you. Uh, Oscar. 
Hi, Kokio. Hi. Thank you so much for your teaching. I, I just, uh, you know, I just wanted to uh, say hi and um, and to say that that image of Huang Po swinging his staff around and scattering his students is a strong image. But a much stronger one for me and one that I, I will remember is of uh, Shoho's bounding down that little mysterious path and you following her and uh, and that enthusiasm of seeing where it goes. Where is it going to go? Um, and the eyes being opened, even though you had been by there a hundred times, somehow this was a new time. This was this time, and the path was there. Yeah, yeah. And, and as I said, you know, I personally was hesitant. She said, if she had said, um, what do you think? Should we check out that path? Or is it, no, we're trying to get back. Let's keep going. But it's just like a, that enthusiasm was a little too contagious. Well, <laughs> I guess I'm going to. That's what a teacher does. Thank you so much. Thank you. Maybe that's a good uh, ending point for this evening. Uh, here in the eastern land, it's getting later than over there. So um, thanks for coming out tonight and, and, and uh, great to, to see you all. And um, please take care and um, above all, any any merit generated from our discussion tonight, may we dedicate it to all beings everywhere. Uh, may we all have today.